Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Of all the guests we've had here during this summer uh, guest festival, it's a festival, Bob, and Bob's back. Yeah, I'm probably as excited about this one as any because of her particular line of expertise in what we really do, our ballywig, which is college football. Heather Dinich from ESPN and ESPN.com is with us. Heather, how are you? Where are you? You're in Maryland still, right? I, for, I, I actually forgot. That's right. It's Big Ten country, guys. I mean, I mean, I, I can fly. I can fly from here to UCLA and be in Big Ten country. You, Heather, what is in Big Ten country now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, just a, a little background. A lot of Penn State people know yeah. Heather's Heather's background from the the mid aughts covering Penn State, but she also came. She's an Indiana grad. She uh, covered Maryland extensively. So Heather, when you heard this news or when you first heard inklings of it, rumors of it, as a fan, what were you thinking? I was shocked. I really was. And, you know, when I was in Scottsdale for the Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12 spring meetings and all that, I remember what came to my head immediately was sitting on a bench with Shane Lyons, the West Virginia athletic director. And he said, you know, somebody asked me if I think realignment is over. And I looked at him, I said, Shane, I said, we've been doing this forever. It is never over. And so while I knew it's never over, it's still jaw-dropping to see two institutions from L.A. who are such flagship West Coast Pac-12 to the core programs say we're going to join the Big Ten. And I get it. I mean, look, everybody wants to join the Big Ten and the SEC. They're the moneymakers now, right? Everybody's Kevin Warren's best friend. I'm sure he's getting a million phone calls. But at the end of the day, it's like, guys, I'm not joking. I'm here in Maryland. And last fall, I flew out to Oregon at UCLA. I came home and I was like, I'm tired. I can't imagine (laughs) going to class the next day. Are you kidding me? So the logistics and and all of that are surprising to me. But at the end of the day, I also keep saying, look, when these guys start playing football in the fall, nobody's going to give a hoot what conference they're in. I mean, you were talking a little bit about uh, about uh, expansion, Heather, but I know you're plugged in nationally. What do you have any sense for what might be next? And and not just the Big Ten, but what's the next big domino? Or is it going to be a while before something else happens, do you think? I think it's going to be a while because I I talked to Notre Dame athletic director, Jack Swarbrick, and they're not in any rush. He said they're not in any rush. Um, And Notre Dame is the X factor and they don't have to do anything. I mean, you know, I've said that they're like a blue square on Monopoly. Everybody knows the value. Everybody wants the property, (laughs) but you know what? They just sit there looking pretty, pretty blue. Um, So I don't know what they're going to do, but if they were to decide to join a conference then I think things kind of open up and the conversations really start again. I mean, right now, 
the people who are in charge don't know what's going to happen. You've got the Big 12 and the Pac-12 talking. You've got the Pac-12 and the ACC talking. But there's also a reality to this thing. There's 10 Pac-12 teams as we sit here this skinny minute who say they are committed to each other. You know, I mean, take that for what it's worth this minute. Um, And they're trying to get their TV contract. And they also have this parallel thing where they can expand. But here's the reality. Like, who do you get? Do you get Baylor? Do you get Oklahoma State? Because if you're going Mountain West, why? What, what adds value? That's what every president and every athletic director is asking now. Where can I make the most money for my school and my program? And if you're Baylor and Oklahoma State, is it worth moving to the Pac-12? Nah, I don't know that. Uh, if, you're, if you're the Pac-12, is it worth jumping to the Big 12? So they're just having those conversations. And I think it's going to be a while before it shakes out. And you could very well see the Pac-10 be the Pac-10, period. And I'm, I've got to ask it. There's so many, so many different things that have happened in the last couple of days. The SEC, they announced a secession of expansion, that they're going to stay at 16. I don't know whether this is a posture or they it's a chess move to unplug the Big Ten's pursuit of Notre Dame, uh, that they really can't find a pro rata addition out there, which would be Florida State or Clemson, or certainly not Miami of Florida, that makes any sense for addition, or that they simply couldn't puncture the ACC's grants of rights, so, so they didn't bother. Anyway, do you think this might put a screeching halt on all the expansion? Because as you said, you know, I, I mean, I, I think the, the two moves are together, that if the SEC did expand to 18 or 20, Notre Dame might go to the Big Ten right away. Now, maybe this puts a screeching halt on all of it. How do you feel about that? Maybe, like you said, maybe. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, because who saw USC, UCLA going to the to the Big Ten when it did, how it did? Um, but you bring up a very important point that's not giving getting enough credence, which is the ACC grant of rights. I mean, that is mega bucks to get out of, plus the ACC's exit fee. This is through 2036. Like, I feel like we'll be walking on the moon by the time Heather, we- Heather, Heather, for people who don't understand what it is, maybe you should just explain what the grant of rights is and how far-reaching it is and the, you know, the crappy contract they've got with ESPN, too, which is a factor. Right. So not to get too much into the weeds, but basically you sell your rights to broadcast games. And so they give up all their rights. And one of the questions that athletic directors in the ACC are asking are, well, gosh, even if we paid the hundreds of millions of dollars, whatever it is to get out of it, do we get our rights back? If if North Carolina plays Alabama, who broadcasts that game? (laughs) And people are like, I don't know. What's the answer to that? And so you've got the lawyers involved. Now, I can tell you that athletic directors in the ACC have been looking very seriously at that grant of rights to see just how complicated it is to unwind. And you're talking about lawyers, ever, you know, lawyers involved in all that stuff. So that's the bottom line. And it goes through 2036, which is a long time. A and long time. It's, it's a, a long ass time, especially <laughs> with especially with the rights fees growing and growing and growing. We thought they would stop and they're not stopping. It looks like Big Ten schools and SEC schools in the next contract are going to make $100 million per year, per school. And right now it's at 50, 55. 
Yeah, well, and, and the other thing, too, is that's a lesson to the Pac-12, the Big 12, and everybody else who has these negotiations coming up to do shorter-term contracts and streaming and all these other things. Um, I think it's a, a blueprint in what not to do in terms of media rights negotiations. Uh, Heather, I, I just think it's just so – I love the fact that you said – I think you said it best. It's never over. So we could talk – once a week about this and it looks like everything's going to calm down and it just feels like even when conferences come out with statements that say hey we're good i just think they're always talking and they're always ready to make the next move and then and i don't want to say they're lying to us but i just feel like it's, <laughs> it's going to be it's just going to be fluid for the end of days they're they're never going to actually tell us the truth well and because there's so much money involved i mean you know i i spoke to I'll just say a high-ranking university official in the Pac-12. I just I love saying that, but it's true. Best way I could say it without giving the person out. But who said to me, "We get on these Zoom meetings, and everybody pledges allegiance, and then you get off the Zoom meeting, and they pick up their cell phones and they call somebody else, and it's like, you know what?" So yeah, nobody... how, about, how about how about the historic alliance? What happened to that exactly? Yeah. Oh man. I mean, what was that exactly? What Let's exactly rewind was start... it? Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what it was. It was a huge mistake. That's what it was. <laughs> it was a huge PR mistake. I'll I'll use Danny, my old buddy Danny Nee, my first coach I ever covered at Ohio University, went on to Nebraska. And he's from Brooklyn, and he would have said, That's bullshit. That's what it is. That's what it is. Um and now we got to get into some ramifications, especially for Penn State fans who might be interested in this. So if you had to guess, maybe the Pac-12 survives here with this, this SEC move, right? I mean, as you said, who are they going to get? Boise State and San Diego State don't even move the needle. Maybe they just go in with 10. And does the Big 12 table expansion plans because it looked like they were going to eat up the the, uh, the mountain schools in the Pac-12, and maybe that's not necessary anymore, right? Well, and the other thing, as we talk about the money involved, is the more people at the table, the less pie you get, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so who, how are they going to divvy that up? And at the end of the day, it's all about the bottom line. And is it worth it if you're going to add all those schools? Or do you add schools of lesser value and then you have Baylor and Oklahoma State say, now, wait, 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 we're, we're top 10 teams. We should get this amount more than you guys. And, you know, there were a lot of, of sources who said, UCLA and USC, that was part of the discussions. Maybe they should have given them more money. To my responses, maybe you should win some more football games and be relevant in the Pac-12. <laughs> you know, so all hey, maybe people, Indiana should too, huh? Oh, huh? hey, huh? listen, I'm as unbiased as a reporter as it gets, and everybody knows it. <laughs> I, I got to get into some personal stuff too, because you had such a fascinating career. And for people who may not realize it, you and Adam Rittenberg just did fabulous work uh, a, a couple of years ago with the Jordan McNair story. And, and I had to call you just to tell you, this is what we should be doing. This is this is what reporting was about. And I remember saying, I don't want to sound like an old man, but but I'm proud of you. <laughs> oh, boy. Because that was that was kind of kind of kind of gooey and icky. But I mean, it was it it was true. And and this thing has gotten so completely out of hand. But. In early in your career, before you were even 28, I think you covered Bob Knight, Joe Paterno, Gary Williams. Tell and people, Jay Paterno. 
That's so, Heather's favorite coach of all time. I know. Tell, it. tell people what that might have been like. I learned that the best coaches are a little off. Let's just say it like that, right? I mean, there is something I will never forget Gary Williams calling me from Kuwait. And I was checking into a hotel and I was checking in for a convention in Baltimore and my phone rings. It's Gary. And he's dropping F-bombs on me left and right. For what did you article. do? What did you I, do? I wrote an article about a, a commit wavering on his commitment. Eric Hayes. I'll never forget this. And he called me. I'm like, Gary, I'm checking it. I'm checking into a room. You know, just screaming. And so, but here's the other thing. I always try, those coaches fascinate me. And there is something that drives me to sort of crack that wall. Like Jim Harbaugh is, <laughs> there's no coach in the country I want to know more than Jim Harbaugh because he's such a strange bird. And there's just this mental aspect to how they function. And they're so good. There's, there's, and you know, when people are talking about Harbaugh and and not getting his contract renewed and all this stuff. I'm like, he's Jim Evans Harbaugh, people. Like, he's not a dumb football coach, but you know, Heather, get- Heather, I've done extensive research on Harbaugh, and let me just tell you, <laughs> let me just tell you, my conclusion is there's nothing there to find. It's, it's, it's exactly what you think it is. Yeah, it's like this. I don't know. It's like this. I don't know. What? But what? What'd you say the question was? I don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> Those coaches, and you guys know I was with you guys at the Nittany Lions Inn, and and Joe sitting there drawing on a napkin, a single wing. I will never forget that. And I'm so lucky, regardless of what you think about Paterno, to have been a part of an era in journalism where he was willing to do that because no coach does those things anymore for fear of social media and locker room videos and your cell phone. Trust has eroded everywhere. And to be able to be on the tail end of that snippet inside his mind and to be able to sit there in Gary's office with Debbie now, two of the most powerful people on campus who butted heads. And such and, and such good friends they were. I Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's getting any birthday invitations in that room. But I mean, it's just it it was it was so fun. And we can talk about night forever. But that's about being at the right place at the right time and being in the middle of a national story. And I was lucky that I had spent a summer internship at The Washington Post before that broke, because when it happened, I called George Solomon, the sports editor, and I said, I'm at Bob Knight's house. Do you want a story? <laughs> <laughs> this is 2000 in the summer, right? And the rest is history. Did Knight target you out? I mean, he he was known to be a little bit misogynistic. Did he did he target you as a female reporter at all? I don't say he targeted me. I think that's a strong word, but I'll okay. never forget him after the Iowa game with Steve Alford walking out of the press conference and patting me on the head. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And then he turned around and ripped in the Alfred. And I told him, because he turned around, he was like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient, 
or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, CureLeaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Your expertise at this point, the last few years, has been in the college football playoffs. So what do you it looks like we're at four through 2025. Is that is that pretty easy to say now at this point? Yes. That seems to be where it's at. And now you throw in a new commissioner in the Big 12, Brett Yormark, who I'm, I'm going to meet this week, um, an Indiana grad, by the way. Um, apparently, <laughs> I've heard he's a proud Indiana grad. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. When you get all these new faces in the room and new ideas and new people, which is what the playoff has had over the past couple of years with George Klyovkov in the Pac-12, Kevin Warren in the Big 10, and Jim Phillips in the ACC, this is not your old school Jim Delaney playoff conversation. This has taken a, a turn. And these guys have different backgrounds. They're all super smart, very smart, more degrees on one hand than I could ever have in my lifetime. And, and they still can't figure it out. <laughs> well, they can't agree on anything. Yeah. No. Don't, look, don't you need an overall czar of college football that gets everyone to, as a, a buddy of Bob's and mine used to say, Get everyone to piss through the same straw. A delightful <laughs> phrase, but he's a he's a political guy. And it wouldn't wouldn't it raise the value of the overall contract if you're one entity, one bargaining entity like the NFL? It's a giant professional entity. We we've we've acknowledged that. Why not treat it as such? It, wouldn't that wouldn't that jack up the price like crazy? So I've talked a lot to Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith about this. And he's talked about having football separate entirely, which yeah, as you yeah. see the Big Ten and the SEC do what they're doing, makes sense. Now, the Knight Commission said this like two years ago, but they have a different way of distributing the money. But Gene says they don't need a czar of college football. Mm. He said, keep it simple and have – he believes the presidents and chancellors – who run the playoff have to have the ultimate say, keep it in, keep it in their hands. Then you have the commissioners. And then he said, you have a group of 11, which is a 10 FBS and Notre Dame. If that's how it stays of like football directors of operations, a bunch of Merton Hanks. I don't know if you guys know who Merton Hanks is. He's like the football guy at the PAC 12 schedule. One, one of the great celebration guys of all time. Too. <laughs> Bob's, one of Bob's favorites. Yeah. 49ers safety. Yeah. He's an Iowa guy, right? Yeah. He loves yep. that. So anyway, um, basically, for lack of a better term, a bunch of Mert Hanks who take care of the scheduling and officiating and enforcement rules, all those things. And that's his idea for it. While the NCAA runs all the other Olympic sports just like it does now in men's but, Olympics. But aren't we headed for a collective bargaining unit? And uh, and player representation, and at least one guy at the top that negotiates the entire football contract for all the conferences. Isn't that logical? You can you can keep all those little levels that you're talking about, but negotiate the contract as one. Decide what we're going to do, and then let's do it. Isn't that where we're headed? It's headed towards players getting paid. Absolutely. I mean, and if they're not preparing for that now, they should be. Yeah. But as for the one person, 
you know, I'm not sure about that. Like I could, I could certainly see both sides of it. And as we're talking about it, it led me to the question, what the hell is the NCAA president going to do? <laughs> well, they're, they're going to do what they're doing now, which is nothing. They're going to be at the side. I, I, I'm only hoping that the NCAA basketball tournament is not touched by this, but it's almost like I'm hoping against hope because they're going to, I think they're going to look around and say, uh, Hey, what's this over here? How come we're not maximizing profit on this? The football guys. And then right. they're going to they're gonna sink their teeth into that next. Gene's reasoning for what he's saying is we have to protect football because its revenue is so important for the other sports. Okay, well, if you're if you're going to I don't see how you care about the other sports when football has done this. But anyway, I, I, I can't just go go past your Penn State tenure, which is let me see. Oh, three to oh six. Oh, where were you there? Uh, Center, you know, Daily Times. Uh, She's trying to forget it. She's trying uh, to forget it. <laughs> all, all I know is this, guys. It was the worst season in school history. They oh, were three. three and nine. And that was the year that they kept Joe and fired Frank Solich, and he was nine and three. Isn't that great? <laughs> and Bob was in favor of it. And rightly yeah. so. <laughs> and then and then the next year they were a mediocre losing team. And then I left, I got married, and they went to the Rose or the Orange. Oh, that's Bowl. right. So all the only seasons you were there were 03 and 04. Yeah, it was brutal. The oh. the very depths of Penn State's existence. Do you remember? You had to have remembered this, Jerry Keller in the hotel room in Indianapolis doing the Joe Paterno impersonation. You're one of the few people I know who was there that we've never talked to about it. Your your memories of that. I remember, I, I swear Joe had his tie loosen, and I, I don't, in my head, I feel like he was slouching in a leather chair, and, I, and he, That's right. yeah. he was laughing. He, I mean, <laughs> he, it was so good that Joe had a laugh at it. I, yeah. I do remember that. It was yeah. priceless. It was spot on. It was yeah, spot on. and we, to, to fill in people, we actually, I, I was pouring I was pouring Joe's Jack and Cokes or, or J- Jack on the rocks. I know we had at least two. Didn't he like the wild turkey? Yeah, yeah either like which, which either. Yeah, or old granddad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any any whiskey on the rocks. And I know we'd had a couple. And I, it was the it was that Indiana game, the last road trip, and everyone's just drained from this cr- another crappy season. And it's to his credit that he was even there. You know, yeah. he's showing up. And no one does this anymore. It was a Friday night on the road. We'd go to uh, Bud Tallman or, or Jeff Nelson's uh, uh, suite, and all the media would sit up there. It was it was it was considered off the record. And I I remember just thinking we need a light moment here. And I said to Joe, you know, Joe Jerry does a very interesting impersonation of you, and. Jerry couldn't believe it, but he was on and he had a pop in him, too. And <laughs> just to tell people what was this like, it was kind of like uh, who was a guy on the NFL network, uh, Rich Eisen, who used to do Scott Carey like this. But I mean, it, it didn't matter that it wasn't all that good. It was hilarious because of the questions that Jerry asked. So Jerry's like a reporter. Jerry, Jerry's Joe. And Joe began being the reporter asking <laughs> The, his impersonator questions. So you, you remember that, right? You know, the whole thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's right. I remember that. That was a special time. I remember that road trip too. I mean, you know what? This sad. I that may have been the last time I was at IU. Been that long? You're kidding. I'm not kidding. I told you I'm unbiased. Why did I go there? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Dane O'Neill's still Penn State proud. Come on. I know, I know. He well, admits it. It's the uh the other game I remember was Northwestern in the cold and it was snowing and they lost and they had that that makeshift media tent out outside. Oh yeah. and oh. and Joe was just like, I'm done. He said he said, I gotta go, I gotta go home to my wife. And he left. And we were like, that's it. <laughs> He's done. Yeah, nope. Well, at the end, at the end of, of Jerry Keller went and people were laughing and crying. They were laughing so hard. Uh-huh. Like three or four minutes of this. And, yeah. and Joe asking like purposely stupid questions like we would ask. And people are just crying. They're laughing so hard, including Joe. Yeah. It quiets down. He goes, I just going to tell you guys, I'm I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. And that was like news. And I think everyone probably, if there'd been social media, we would all have all gone on Twitter. Like Joe right. Paterno says, he's not retiring, not retiring. Yeah. <laughs> he's there. Yeah. Heather, real quick, former Center Daily Times, Penn State beat reporter, Heather Danich. What do you make of this James Franklin fella going into his ninth year? And will Penn State in a 14 playoff ever, ever make the field? Um, I've known James for a while now because I was covering Maryland and he's got, he's got some time with Maryland here and I don't think my take is new. I think he's a hell of a recruiter, but I have some in-game questions. He could coach better than I can, but I still wonder sometimes if he's the best coach to win a national championship. I don't know the answer to that. I, I think he has something to prove when it comes to that. And he's got, He's got he's got some good players, but I, you know, when you are and now if the Big Ten scraps divisions, this is another conversation. But yeah. where he he's in a tough spot and he's looking up at Ohio State. Now he's looking up at Michigan, in my opinion. And I think it'll be really interesting to see where he falls in the pecking order with USC and UCLA. And when Sandy Barber announced that 10-year contract for him, I was like, what? <laughs> okay i mean i don't understand any of those contracts but yeah i I guess that's that sums it up all right we're gonna let you get on your flight to uh dallas fort worth uh where you're gonna cover the uh big 12 meetings it was great having you on great seeing you again how the boys now you got what are the ages now you got three you didn't add any did you you didn't expand (laughs) did you there's not enough tequila in mexico my friend i'm done (laughs) 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 they are they are 12 10 and 8 oh my god oh my god i'm the worst mom in the world i just sent them to math camp (laughs) oh All right. It was great seeing you and uh, see you out there on the road someplace. And thanks for being with us. I know you didn't have to on a day when you're traveling, but we You bet, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Enjoy Heather. the season. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Live. <laughs>